Welcome to The Next Track, a podcast about how people listen to music today. I'm Doug Adams. And I'm Kirk McElhern. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. If this is your first episode of The Next Track, give it a listen. And then uh, give us a rating or a review at uh, Apple Podcasts or give us a star, an overcast, or a like, whatever your podcast app uses. We'd appreciate it. It lets potential listeners know that, gee, there are a lot of other people that like this show, too. This is episode number 106 of The Next Track. Today, we're going to be talking about something that I think a lot of us have in common. There's something you and I have in common right now. We are both wearing headphones. Yes, because we are obliged to. We have to wear headphones to prevent microphone feedback and that sort of thing. I get a kick out of seeing video podcasts where the participants are either wearing super big monster-sized headphones and they've got a big microphone dangling in front of them. But if they're really cool, you can't see the microphone at all and they've got tiny little earbuds on. But yes, when it's time to record, whether you like them or not, you kind of have to wear headphones. It's part of the required gear. Or when you see... In a, in a movie, someone in a helicopter, right, with those big headphones and the microphone in front right, of them. Right. Headphones is an interesting topic. Do you remember the first time you listened to music on headphones? Oh, um, no, not exactly. Uh, my father had headphones around when I was a kid because he was a uh, he he did a lot of recording at home and on location, sort of as a as a hobby. And we always had headphones around. But as kids, we were not allowed to touch the headphones, you know, because little kids can destroy an expensive set of headphones if time allowed. So uh, headphones became very special. And occasionally my father would, would say, here, listen to this, put these on. But it wasn't until much later when um, when I finally owned my own stereo gear that accepted a quarter-inch headphone jack that I, uh, I got my own set of headphones much later as a teenager. But it was certainly very special to wear headphones. Well, it's that feeling of having the music in your head between your ears instead of feeling the music from coming around you. My first experience like that is I had a little battery-powered AM radio when I was, well, still of single-digit age, and I had a, an earphone for it, and I would listen to stuff on an earphone, and I thought, this just isn't right. I've got two ears and one earphone. So I think I went to the local Radio Shack, or had my father take me to Radio Shack, and I got an adapter that you would put into the earphone jack that would make it go to two earphone jacks and i bought a second earphone so i would listen to it with two earphones even though it was mono it was the fact that the sound was more balanced that way that made it so different you were a clever kid i was it was indeed um it hadn't occurred to me to think of uh an earphone as a headphone experience my first transistor radio had an earphone just like you which i use for private listening but fidelity or even the experience of wearing an earphone I don't really remember. And it, it probably wouldn't have occurred to me that I was missing out on stereo back then anyway. Well, it's not stereo. It's fake mono, but du dual channel mono. Right. Right and left mono. Well, I guess I thought earpiece two dual earpieces were for big kids. I never had any kind of headphones, though. I never had real headphones when I was a teenager. My first stereo was purchased at Radio Shack, as was probably the case for many millions of Americans in our demographic. Oh, you bet. But the first time I got headphones was, what, 1978 or so, when I bought a Sony Pressman, which is the predecessor of the Walkman. And I don't remember how good the headphones were. They weren't great. But I just remember walking down the streets of Queens, New York, at night, going to and from friend's house or something with the music, with the soundtrack in my head. 
And I was listening to stuff like The Cure and Joy Division and The Clash and things like that. And it was revolutionary because I had never done this in, in my earlier teenage years. I had never bothered to get headphones. So you just grabbed, what, a set of, what, the, the little, you're talking about the little Walkman-style type headphones? Well, what, what became common with the Walkman, yeah, the little Sony headphones, which were what we would call on-ear headphones. Yeah, and they were very small. They weren't over-the-ear, or they weren't big studio-type no, headphones. No, yeah. no, no, they weren't very large. But I remember at the time, now, move ahead a couple of years, and the Walkman comes out. I worked in a financial job, and there was someone in my office who would come into work with his Walkman, and these big-ass headphones, like what you and I are wearing, big over-the-ear headphones, and he would sit at his desk, and he would listen to French opera from his Walkman like that. Now... This was just when it was starting to not be abnormal to see someone with headphones on the street. You know, when the Walkman started becoming popular, headphones became common. And this guy with these big-ass headphones was really, he, he was different. The first set of headphones I actually owned, I probably was a young teenager, I got them from Radio Shack. They were cheap plastic over-the-ear headphones. And uh, they got tossed around a lot, and one of the speakers became loose from the <laughs> from the piece. So the headphones rattled. But, I mean, I had those headphones for years. I used them to do all kinds of recording and things like that with them. I mean, they were very cheap. They are probably $20 headphones. But I thought there was something. I didn't get a real decent set of headphones until I started working in radio. I think I got a set of AKGs or something. Um, but, yeah, headphones, uh, they were a treat. They were extra special uh, to have. That was, a, that was an important accessory. And not everybody had them. Well, once the Walkman came around, they were essential. And you did see them all over the place. There were these Sony headphones with orange pads on them. I think the ones that came by default with the Walkman. And, of course, you could buy all sorts of headphones back then. They, there was no concept of high resolution, but there was the sort of hi-fi headphone that you could get the over-the-ear or the you know bigger, more expensive, several hundred dollars back then. I, I don't know if back then in the early – there must have been $1,000 headphones in the 1980s. But this is not something I ever encountered back then. I find headphone listening to be interesting. It's a different experience to listen to music on headphones. For a long time, I would listen on headphones. It would be my preferred way to listen to music. And in recent years, I've grown to dislike listening to headphones. The attraction of it is that feeling that the music is in your head. And just like when we're recording this and we're listening to each other, when you talk to me, you're right in the center of my head and you're invading my brain, it sounds like. And the music does that too. It has a sort of a pervasive quality as it gets into you. Whenever you turn your head, the music is the same. It doesn't matter where you're looking. If you're lying down, sitting up, you don't have to be, you don't have to be in the sweet spot between your speakers. You don't have to worry about aligning the speakers. But lately I've really been appreciating more listening on speakers because I don't know, I get the feeling that my entire body listens to the music and not just my ears. That's an interesting way of thinking about how you listen to music. And now I'm thinking about it. Um, but I think for most music consumers, it's the convenience factor. You can listen to music anywhere with a set of headphones. And I'm thinking mostly away from home or on the commute or at work with other people around. You and I, we have the luxury of being able to listen to music at home without anybody around. And headphones in that situation are are probably a more restrictive option. There's no reason to deal with the compromises of headphones if you've got speakers that you can listen to anytime, uh, unless you need to wear them while recording your podcast. 
I'm not even thinking of, of that. I'm thinking more of when you sit down to listen to a record. There's a difference between listening on headphones and, and listening on speakers. Now, arguably, it's probably cheaper to get a really good pair of headphones than to get a really good pair of speakers. I mean, you can get something for a few hundred dollars in headphones that, that's getting up in the sort of top 5% of audio quality for headphones. It, it's it's a real tangent curve. You know, you get most of these headphones, 50 100 $200, and then you get up to three, $400. You get things like Grados or I've got a pair of AKGs. What have you got on? Uh, these are my biodynamic DT770s. I also have a pair of AKGs. I have a pair of Sennheisers. Yeah, Sennheiser. There's a bunch of brands like that. When you get up in the three to $500 range, you get really, really good headphones. For speakers, that's a good pair of speakers. That's not a great pair of speakers. Well, you know, if you had $400 to spend on one or the other, headphones or speakers, I'm sure that some people could definitely make the case that for them, their lifestyle, their activities, schedule, so on, they could make the case that headphones would be a better purchase. My daughter, for instance, doesn't own speakers. She listens to music, watches video streaming with earbuds exclusively. Pretty much. So, for example, if your only opportunity to listen to music is on the go, here and there, a good set of headphones might be the only way to fly. One of the things about headphones is if you're lucky enough to have tinnitus, as both of us do, uh, I don't know about you, but I find that listening on headphones too long amplifies the tinnitus. No question. Definitely stimulates it. Yeah. So, so it's not something that is a great way to listen to music. Particularly, I, I don't listen to loud music anymore on headphones. I'll listen to something, a string quartet, a piano sonata, but I won't listen to a Mahler symphony or a Grateful Dead concert. So there are different types of headphones, and I thought it'd be interesting to discuss the different types of headphones. And, and most people know this, but it's worth maybe reminding people that there are a lot of options for headphones. Just start at the basics with earbuds that everyone gets with a smartphone or an iPod. And when I think about it, probably the earbuds... Not the current ear pods that come with the iPhone, but the previous ear buds that were round, they were probably as good as, if not better, than those Sony Walkman headphones. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think there are there are several brands of earbuds. Sony makes um, a, a nice series of, of earbuds, if that's what you like. Um, I prefer earbuds just because they're not invasive. They just kind of sit there and hang there and... Usually I use them while I'm watching television shows on an iPad. So the fidelity isn't crucial. Uh, it's good enough so that I have a little privacy and, and don't disturb anybody else while I'm, I'm watching television. But that's the only time I don't listen to music with them, with earbuds. Uh, I just don't like the tinny sound. I listen to music on my AirPods if I'm walking. Sometimes I'll lie in bed and read and listen on the AirPods. And I wouldn't call them tinny, but the sound isn't well-balanced. It, it can be too bassy. It can be too trebly. It, it's not great. But, of course, what do you expect from something that small? You you can't get very low bass with such a small driver. You need something a lot more powerful than that. So earbuds are the kind that sort of just fit in your ear and sit there. And then you get the in-ear or in-canal headphones. I cannot use those. Yeah, I have to admit that years ago, when they first came out, I was excited to try them. And uh, there is more there there. Uh, they not only prevent outside noise from getting in, but they use your 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 ear and your, your the bones in your head as a conveyance for some of the lower frequencies. And they do sound good, 
but uh, they are hard to wear for a long period, and, and they're very isolating, which I find kind of creepy. My big problem is that I hear myself breathing, and it sounds <laughs> like Darth Vader is in the room listening to music <laughs> with me, and yeah. I just find that frustrating. If I'm walking outdoors, I don't hear the breathing, but like you say, it closes off the outside sound, and I've never really appreciated that. I've always liked it to be more open. Now, there's another kind of in-ear, in-canal devices that are ear monitors, and this is what musicians wear on stage. You have to go to an audiologist and you get them to squirt silicone in your ear and it's cold and it's weird. And then you send the molds back to the company and they make an an in-ear monitor that perfectly fits in your ear. Now, I had a pair of these made for me back in 2004 when I was writing my first iPod book. There was one company called Ultimate Ears, which I think was bought out by Logitech recently. And I wrote them and said, hey, I'm writing this book. I'd love to try these out. And so they sent me a pair and these were relatively expensive. And they did sound really good, but the tip of the monitor is so close to the eardrum that I found it, it not only did it set off my tinnitus, but it made me jumpy listening to the music like that. I wonder if they've improved since then, because they are quite common uh, for performance artists um, of all kinds, not just, you know, not just glamorous ones, but I mean, uh, symphonic musicians will wear them and that sort of thing. So, I mean, I, I would assume that they've probably improved them a bit, but I can definitely imagine, again, that isolation factor, it would be a turnoff for me. Right, but when, when you're performing on stage, you want that because that cuts out the audience noise, and they isolate a lot. They, they work as well as earplugs to isolate the, the, the rest of the noise. At uh, radio stations, you, you have to wear headphones. I mean, there's no way to speak live on the radio and monitor over speakers because you create a loop. Um, so I imagine it's the same sort of thing for performance professionals. You know, these are a tool that musicians use. And one of the problems I think I've had to deal with because of my professional headphone use, you know, four to five hours or more a day, five days a week for many years, I think it probably led to my tinnitus. Well, anything at, at a high volume is certainly going to exacerbate hearing loss of, of all kinds. And it might have been that. It might have been too many concerts. I remember going to a Yorma Kalkinen concert at the Palladium in New York. I believe this was 1979. He had this three-piece ensemble he called Vital Parts, and it was the loudest concert I had ever been to. And I was in the balcony with a friend of mine, and there was a fire escape, and we went outside the fire escape to listen to the concert. It was so loud, and there were a half a dozen people out there. It was dangerously loud. But Hot Tuna has always played loud. So that's the earbud side. Now, these days, there are a couple of other, what would you call them, form factors. You get the kind that go behind the neck. You get the kind that are the Bluetooth earbuds that have just a wire connecting them and hang under your chin or behind your neck as well. They all offer similar sound quality, but what they do offer is a certain convenience factor, that if you're out jogging or something, you don't want something that's likely to fall out of your ear. So you want the in-canal, perhaps, and you want the kind that has the little wire connecting them. I, I don't run. My AirPods stay in my ears when I walk, but I'd be hesitant if I was running fast to, to use something like that. Or even if you're in a gym and you're exercising and you're moving around, you probably don't want something that can fall out that easily. That reminds me, I bought a pair of headphones built into a headband, right? You wear them like a headband over the ears. They were very cheap. But I wanted something to wear at night while I was sleeping, and I didn't want them to fall off. And I, I used to have difficulty sleeping. And to fall back asleep, I would listen to overnight. I would listen to, to bad sports talk radio, 
which would enable me to concentrate on that and kind of fall back asleep. Unfortunately, these, these headband headphones were not built very well, and that experiment didn't last. The speakers became detached. And, but headband headphones are an interesting solution to the uh, head movement activity problem. So let's talk about on-ear headphones. So that's the next kind. And I'm, I'm going to link to a very old article on my website from 2012, and it was already an update of an earlier article. It's called The Headphones I Use. And what's interesting is I only have one of these headphones, and I don't use it very often. It's these Sony MDR V6 monitor headphones. They're studio headphones. But the first one that I mentioned is the Sennheiser PX100-2i. Not really good numbering. And I long used those not only when I was walking, but even recording podcasts, because they're very light. They're on-ear. They're open. You don't get any feeling of, of heat and, and discomfort when you use them. And I still like that kind of headphone. And, and this is the kind of thing that is not good enough really to listen to music unless you're outside, but it would be great to listen to TV or a movie on an iPad. I, I have to admit, um, probably because I just didn't pay attention to a lot of this stuff for a long time, but I'm frequently confused by the matrix of styles. Like when you consider over the ear, on the ear, close back, open back. And frankly, I'm not, I'm not even sure of the advantages of those those types. Well, this also is an issue when we're dealing with over-ear headphones. So over-ear are the ones that circle the ears like what we're wearing. And I'll put a couple of links in the show notes to different over-ear headphones. I'll link to the two models that Doug and I are using. On-ear is meant to sit on your ear and over-ear is meant to go around your ears. So they have to be quite large because some people have big ears. Both of them come in open and closed versions. And I find that I like open headphones better because, well, I can hear what's going on outside. And it seems that the music is able to breathe more, that it's not stuck inside the headphone. I know that's a weird way to say it, but the music can move a little bit more. I find it more comfortable. So what are they actually, how are they constructed? Are they literally open? I mean, how does, how does that work? It's just the cup that, that either has, that is either solid plastic or has a screen. Some of them may be aluminum or titanium when you get to high end. The, the one kind has a screen. Mine has like a plastic, like a perforated plastic bit. And when they're closed, it's the same thing without the holes. Or if you look at Grados, for example, they have what looks like a grill. And underneath it, it's like a mesh. Because I think most, if not all, Grados are open. I'm thinking of the ones with a circle of either plastic or wood around them. And those are on-ear, those aren't over-ear. But I just feel that the music isn't stuck inside like that. I can, I can kind of see how that would work. The music doesn't bounce around inside the headphone. Yeah. It's got room to breathe, as it were. Right, but the problem with these headphones is if you're at work and you're next to someone who doesn't listen to music, they'll hear your music. I, I don't think it really matters. If you're doing something like radio, would you need it to be closed would, would that make a difference? Yeah, I think so, because you're trying to minimize any kind of feedback. And the thing about feedback is it's not only bad to go let it go out over the air. That's, that's almost a secondary concern. What you don't want is you don't want to hear that high-pitched feedback in your headphones while you're, you know, while you're on, live on the air. It's incredibly disturbing. So any chance you have to minimize the potential for feedback that's what you need to have. So I would imagine that, uh, you know, oh, I, most people wear over-the-ear headphones. That, what, that's what was my experience. Right, in radio. Yeah, and, and like I mentioned earlier about, you know, the podcasters who wear monster headphones, there was certainly a prestige thing. You know, the bigger and louder your headphones were, you probably felt, you know, more powerful and 
So there was that factor as well. So the difference between on-ear and open-ear, one of the problems I find with some open-ear headphones is that they're relatively large. So the Sennheisers that I mentioned, I'll link in the show notes. That they don't sell that model anymore, but I'll link to a similar model. They're very small. They're smaller than my ears, but a lot of on-ear headphones are relatively big, and they tend to have a tight spring effect to keep them on your head. And I find that uncomfortable. It's they're, they're squeezing the ear, and I don't find that really enjoyable. Whereas when it's an over-the-ear headphone, in in essence, the top of the, the cup rests on the top of your ear a little bit, so it's not going to fall down. I do find that since these are loose, sometimes if I bend down to pick something up on the floor, they might come off a little bit. I had a set, I had a set of headphones. I think they were made by Koss, and they were over-the-ear headphones, and they were like a vice on my head and i i yeah. eventually had to stop wearing them because i mean i wouldn't get headaches but you would definitely be fatigued after listening for a long time and uh, so i finally got rid of them yeah grados are like that grados have really good sound and a few years ago i went to a store near where i lived and i tried out a number of models and, and there was one that i particularly liked uh, 325 or something like that but i just felt that i wouldn't be comfortable listening to music for a long period of time on the one hand, it, they're light and open, but on the other hand, they do squeeze a lot. You know, it, it's really a tough call, and it does come down to comfort. And you may go many years, and you may try out a number of different headphones before you find something that's comfortable. Like the headphones I have on now, they're great for what we're doing. In fact, these are excellent headphones for music, and all we're doing is voice. So the, the quality is far above what I need. They're very comfortable. They're soft. But if I were to do this for more than say an hour you know your ears start to get warm it's it's not really that comfortable i'd need to take a break for a while and i can't see listening to music on full-size headphones for an hour if i was in a situation where it was the only choice then i would do it and another thing is sometimes i like to listen in bed lying down reading and headphones tend to slip off if they're not tight particularly over ears they'll start to kind of head lean back on your head you know toward the back of your head it's it's never perfect, is it? No. That's why speakers are great. That's why speakers are great. You can put them anywhere. You just you do have to be in the sweet spot, but you get the, the feeling of the room around you, which, of course, can be a negative, and, and that's one of the advantages of headphones. But I really wonder how many albums are mastered for headphones and not for speakers. You know, there's a very different way of listening to music. I, I'm actually surprised that we haven't seen audiophile records mastered for headphone listening. Hmm, I wonder. Now, you know, that kind of almost rings a bell. Well, there is something called binaural recording where they put a, yeah. a sort of a mannequin head with microphones in its ears. Right. So they try to position that head as if it was the ideal listener, like in the third row of the orchestra dead center. And I think you can still buy some recordings, but that never really caught on very much, I think. My father used to talk about that, and he had a few binaural recordings, and... I don't remember listening to them, but he thought it was like really something special, that this is how they were recorded. They used a, a mannequin head, as you said, or something at least of that size. Um, so uh, I guess it was a thing, but it didn't really take off. No. And remember that these are recordings that would only sell to people who are listening on headphones. So that reduces the, the marketability of them. I'll look and see if I can find some recent binaural recordings, and I'll, and I'll put something in the show notes. I'm sure that this still exists as a niche, yeah. but it's not something I've heard about very much. Certainly, there are albums that are worth listening to with headphones. Dark Side of the Moon. Sure, of course, or something like that. Yeah. 
Right. And and that's that was one of the the joys of listening to headphones in the early years. You know, when you have something that goes back and forth from one side to the other, kind of sounds like it's circular. You know, Pink Floyd is the best example, but there are tons of prog rock albums like that. And frankly, a well-recorded string quartet where you hear the instruments in their in their soundscape positions, the way they are on stage. Symphonies are a bit more difficult because of the the sheer number of instruments. And you can hear the violins are on the left and you can hear the, the basses are on the right, but you don't get the same kind of perspective as you do in a chamber music ensemble. I like to listen to, uh, you know, live rock albums with headphones. In fact, I, one of the things I used to try to achieve is to, you know, actually feel like you're there. I'd listen with headphones with the lights out. And that would sort of give you the, that sensory deprivation so you could really feel like you were there. So there's another type of headphones that's interesting for certain reasons, and these are noise-canceling headphones. What they essentially do is they have microphones on the outside of each ear cup, and the microphones pick up the sound that's around you, and they I think they just flip the wave over, inverted, which cancels out the noise. Now, if you've ever been on a noisy airplane with noise-canceling headphones, it's really quite a pleasure to have them and not have to listen to that whoosh of the airplane for hours and hours. I have never tried a pair of noise-canceling headphones. I have no idea of the benefit, but it sounds like something, you know, it sounds like a good idea. They are. And again, they're the kind of headphones for certain special situations, traveling, bus, subway, airplane. I really wouldn't want them walking down the street because then you wouldn't hear the car horn that's honking in that last second before you see your life flash before your eyes. Right. That's the anxiety I get from any kind of isolation headphones. Yeah. I just, I would prefer not to experience that. Yeah. The problem with noise canceling headphones is, well, first they need batteries to run. So the batteries can run out, but a lot of noise canceling headphones can work as regular headphones when the batteries are dead. So that way you can still listen, but you won't get the advantage of the noise canceling. The other problem is that they have to have a very tight seal to cancel out the noise. So they're, they're essentially a combination of two types of noise canceling. One is passive noise canceling, and that's the fact that the cups are isolated and they're tight on your ears. And the other is the active noise canceling, which is what's done with the audio trickery. So they've got the clamp and they've got the, the audio trickery. Right. And the clamp is tiring and it's hot and it's sealed and it's, you know, uh, again, for, for limited situations, great to use if you travel, if you fly a lot, you definitely have to have them. They're not cheap. Uh, I think good noise canceling headphones are already up in the three to $400 zone. We're, we're not going to talk about specific models because there are literally thousands of headphones and how do you judge them? You know, the comfort factor is so important. Is it closed or open? You know, some people have a preference. Is If it's an on-ear, is it big enough to fit comfortably? Or does the person wearing them have ears that are too small or too large for them to be comfortable? So one, one of the problems with headphones is they're really hard to test. When I was living in York, when I came to the UK, there was a store there that had maybe 20 headphones that were plugged in to a stand. And you could you could use the plugs and stick them into your iPhone to listen to music. And that was a good way to test, but it's really hard. I don't know what stores are like in the U.S. if they do that commonly. I haven't um, been to buy them in person in a long in a long time. I've bought most of my stuff online um, because I know the kind of headphone I want. I've actually, you know, had a couple that I've really liked over the years and I just replaced them with the same model or that sort of thing. We used to replace them all the time in radio. I used to buy $100 headphones maybe once a year because you're wearing them all the time and you're throwing them 
Um, you're slapping them down. They're traveling a lot. They're going, moving from room to room, and they just wear out. We used to get these great AKGs, um, like $125, and that's what everybody I used to work with uh, used to have. And they're virtually disposable, and they're a tax write-off. So they didn't. You didn't use the Sony MDR V6, which seems to be the standard studio monitor headphone. Not only is it the standard, but I think they sell a special version, which is like an on-site guarantee where they'll replace them if they break or something. Because studios have dozens of these. You know, I I know I'm familiar with the MDRs, and um, I've seen them at studios. But most people I know bring their own set of headphones with them. So, and those wouldn't necessarily be MDRs. So. As I said earlier, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of headphones. And one of the links I'll put in the show notes is headfi.org. That's head-fi.org, which is the most amazing forum for headphone fans. I mean, seriously, reviews, multi-thousand word reviews of headphones, discussions about all the details of different types of headphones, all the brands. And it, it's truly a wonderful site if you're into that. I, I think headphone collectors have a certain amount of obsessiveness that is, in a way, it's more interesting than the whole audiophile thing where people were worried about so many different components. It seems like headphone people really just want that headphone amp and the pair of headphones, and they're not too concerned about the power cables and all the other gadgets. Right. Well, it's a nice specific mania to have. It is. And if you're really into it, you know, I've bought and sold headphones over the years, and I'll keep them for a year or two, and then I'll eBay them to get something new, and you can get your way up slowly, work your way up to better and better models. Again, I don't listen enough that I would spend that kind of money today. I think the ones I have now, I got on sale at Amazon for 120 pounds. They're, they, it, was a, it was a deep discount, but they're $200 headphones, which is fine for, for what I want to do. But you can go into the thousands, like with any of these audio things. So drop us a comment on the show page. Let us know what your favorite headphones are. We're curious. We'd like to know on-ear, over-ear, open-closed, in-ear. What do you like? We like to let you know at the end of every episode the music that we've been thinking about or listening to. Kirk, what's your next track pick this week? This week, I was thinking about music and memory and how sometimes music is linked to certain events in your life. There are some records that you remember that maybe you were listening to that very first time or you were in a specific place and a certain song came on and, and it kind of has a link in your amygdala. One of these records for me is something that I actually hadn't listened to in about five years, but five years ago, I was for some reason, I was listening to this record all the time. And this is the period that I moved from France to the UK and I had three trips to the UK back and forth to, to scout out, long story, and I was listening to a record called Elko by Railroad Earth over and over. And I was listening to a couple of their studio albums, but Elko was a two-CD live recording from 2006. Railroad Earth is a jam band, and, and that's a really vague term. They play alt-country Americana, bluegrass. It's essentially an acoustic band, acoustic guitar and dobro and banjo and mandolin. There's even a violin, acoustic bass, but sometimes electric bass. And they've got catchy tunes and... Their jams are, you know, a lot of times you hear these bluegrass country jams and they're long and they're repetitive and, and Railroad Earth is a lot more interesting than that. This is a band that I discovered on the iTunes store back in the day, probably around 2003, 2004, back in the day when I discovered a lot of music on the iTunes store. 
I bought one of their albums. I liked it. I bought another one. Then I bought this live album. I believe at the time it wasn't on the iTunes store and I bought it on CD. And it's, it's bouncy music. It's happy music. It's, it's party music. And, and some of the songs are quite long, 15, 16 minutes, like a Buddha and head. Um, some are 12, 14 minutes, seven story mountain at 14 minutes is the last song is really my favorite. I haven't paid attention to this band at all in the last five years. For some reason, after that move, I just stopped listening to them. And for some reason, just the other day, it came to my mind that I hadn't listened to them for a while. So I will go back and listen to what they've released since then. This is 2006. I'll go back and listen to their other albums on Apple Music. But for now, this record, Elko, just has a special place in my mind as, as accompanying me on planes and trains and walking around British cities trying to decide where I was going to live. Doug, what about you? Last weekend, we had some guests over, and here in the Boston area, it was really a beautiful Saturday morning, so I wanted to move some music outside. I set up a little airplay station, and it was 10 o'clock in the morning, beautiful time of the morning. I thought, I'm going to have some coffee out here, and I picked some music to test the sound system, and I landed on Bob Marley and the Whalers' Babylon by Bus. Now, last week, we talked about how Legend, Bob Marley's Legend album, which is the greatest hits album that came out after he died, is one of the most popular albums in history. But I don't care for that one. This album, Babylon by Bus, is a, serves as a great greatest hits album. It's got Positive Vibration, Exodus, Stirred Up, Kinky Reggae, Lively Up Yourself, Jamming, just a lot of great reggae songs. This album, when it came out, a roommate in college had it, and every Sunday morning he would play this. And this is how we uh, it, it had our... New York Times crossword puzzle time on Sunday mornings for listening to uh, reggae from Bob Marley and the Whalers. So, needless to say, I really enjoyed that second cup of coffee outside last Saturday under the beautiful Saturday morning sunshine and uh, with Bob Marley and the Whalers playing in the background. So, if you happen to be listening to the podcast on Saturday morning, I've got a link to the album at Apple Music. You can listen to it right now. I guarantee you'll love it. If you love reggae, this is a great record by Bob Marley and the Wailers. Babylon by Bus is my next track. This has been The Next Track, a podcast about how people listen to music today. You can find show notes and links to some of the things we talked about in this and other episodes at thenexttrack.com. There's also a contact form there you can use to send us comments. If you like the show, we hope you'll subscribe in iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And please think about giving us a review or rating. We'd appreciate that. I'm Doug Adams, and for Kirk McElhern, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.